You're listening to the Bad Reputation Podcast, hosted by Todd Collins and sponsored by Anchor FM. If you haven't listened before, we've got two words for you. Listen up. From digital marketing tips, entrepreneurial stories, and more, you will get the most up-to-date info brought right to your ear. Follow Todd on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, and more at Todd Collins Official. Listen everywhere podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple, Roku, and more. Are you guys ready? Now, your host of Bad Reputation, Todd Collins. All right, guys, welcome back to the Bad Reputation Podcast. I'm real excited to be here today with a young Baltimore representative, Brandon Novak. Thanks for coming on, buddy. I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having awesome, me. I'm man. Stoked. Absolutely. I'm absolutely. Stoked. So it's always good to be back with a local skateboard guy from Baltimore because there have been a lot of really good skateboarders from this area, but a lot of people don't really know who those people are. Yeah. So you were the youngest sponsored skater from Maryland ever, right? Actually, one of the youngest in the nation. Is that correct? Power Peralta? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know to categorize that with that would make sense, but what I do know is that I was the the first skateboarder ever to be endorsed by Gatorade. Yes, I remember that. At at a young age. I'm sure, I don't know, now I open up a skate mag and there's like six-year-olds doing 40 stair rails. Yeah. So I'm sure that has changed, but I do know that was the case then. Yeah, it's funny because thinking back. But real quick to interject, from Baltimore, I grew up going to the dentist right here in this office. Yeah. I was, my childhood home was eight minutes that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally, this, Baltimore is where I I grew up. Right. But the outskirts here where we're at, like towards Kingsville, like that, my dentist was there from zero to eight years old. Yeah. This is like really (laughs) close to home. Yeah. So we're a Conrad Seafood restaurant in Perry Hall, just, just to kind of FYI that, and it's interesting you said Baltimore because I feel like whenever we travel or whenever we, like when people go, hey man, where are you from? Like I'm always like Baltimore. Because if I tell them Hereford and I'm in South Carolina, they're gonna be like, what what, what the fuck is Hereford? Yeah. Like, I have no idea what that is. Yeah. So it's interesting you say you that. You know, forever, I didn't know the capital of Maryland was Annapolis. And geography was like never my strong suit. Baltimore should was be. my go-to. Right. Baltimore's my go-to for everything. Yeah. But although people say, I don't really hear that accent. And I think I've been gone so long that I don't possess that strong yeah. role of the R. The water. Yeah. Water. Warsh. Water. Bones. See, I'll, I'll pronunciate it a little clearer. My mother, not so much. No, my, my mom, either. No, is your mom Italian? No. She would like to think she is. Okay, because my mom's 100% Italian. But she has the same accent that your mom has. She grew up in Catonsville. Well, Wilkins Avenue. Okay. But down in that area. So I spent a lot of time down there skating sure. when I was younger. Yeah. That's where, that's, it, Wilkins Avenue is not an area you want to hang out nah, now. Not- it's not a desired destination. No, it's not. But it it used to be. Well, was it, it used then? to be cool well, then. most places used to be yeah. a bit more desirable. Maybe. They were. So I was But then it becomes gentrified. So it could, again, true. one day become a desire. It could flip. Yes. It could flip. Because there's a lot of places in Baltimore that were like that. Totally. <clears throat> um, the reason I want to talk about the skateboarding a little bit is because you're so known for all these other things. But you're like a really, really good fucking skateboarder. Like even to this day, in your 40s, you're still out skating and and doing it. And I what I have found is 
I started snowboarding more than skateboarding, obviously, when I was younger. I skated. Uh, Jake, Rupp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just Jake? did a tour with him. Jake's love amazing. that guy. Jake, I, I mean. I can't love him any more than I do. I, you, you can't. He's one of those guys you can't not like. Yeah. He, you, just, you just like that person. And speaking to the whole situation, I watched him in high school, and we were always like 100% against drugs and drinking and this, that, and everything else. And then when we got out of school, he immediately was like, it was a different situation. Totally. And I watched him go from like here, and I watched it decline. And it was like the scariest thing for me to watch because it was never my thing. Which unfortunately, I think you hear a lot or see a lot of those stories out of Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, probably any city for that matter. We're just from here, so we're observant from the people that are, yeah. you know. Well, in Carroll County, in Westminster, where I grew up, heroin was a huge, huge problem in that area. Which is, which is odd because you wouldn't think that Carroll County would be an area where you would have these issues. Um, and it just wasn't like that. There were a lot of people that, I remember them, and when I was in high school, they would travel to the city, yeah. get the drugs, bring them back, just distribute them. Sell them for double, triple the amount. Exactly. I mean, there's an open-air produce market, I mean, open-air drug market yeah. in, Bal- in Bel Air, Maryland. Right. That speaks volume. You know, that sure. was never, I'm like, what? No. And it's, it's like that in Philly now, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Philly is a very similar place to Baltimore. I always say Philly's a little bit bigger version than Baltimore, and New York's a bigger version of Philly. Sure. It kind of is a stepping stone. So when you were growing up, and I know we're kind of flip-flopping around here, but yeah. when you were growing up, where did you guys, where did you skate the most? Well, I was born out here in Kingsville. Right. Born at Mercy Hospital in Baltimore City. Okay. Lived in Kingsville till about 9 or 10 um, and that's when skateboarding took off. I got my first skateboard at seven, living out at this house as a rancher. Right. And uh, and then my father was around just enough to let me know he wasn't around. He, yeah. was, he was a rather unsavory kind of fella. He rode with the Hells Angels, never had a job a day in his life. Taught me one thing, if and when I go to prison, how to conduct myself. So finally, my mom, rightfully so, had enough and split. Sure. And, and kind of in the middle of the night, we... She packed us up, and he sat next to the front door with a baseball bat to make sure she didn't take anything that didn't belong to her. And mm-hmm. we, we snuck out, basically, or he allowed us to leave in the middle of the night. And uh, we moved uh, into first Harford Road, then kind of towards the Kearney Parkville area. And that's where my skateboarding, I, I started riding for Clearlight, yeah. the, the skate shop in North Plaza yep. Mall. Yep. And, and, and then Reach for the Beach, then Sports Elite. But I started skating with other guys and, and developing a style and, yeah. and, and kind of falling into my own self, if you will. And that's when my skateboarding took on yeah. a life of its own. So after the whole Gatorade thing, and then I know that you had, had, had done some touring and stuff like that when you were younger, was there a point where skateboarding became not as important and other things became more important? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And it, 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 it's not even really like a, a specific incident that took place where I was like... At the time, I didn't see it, right? Like, and everything in my life is in retrospect. Right. Live forward and learn backwards. Yep. So I can clearly state what happened then and issue or label that the problem. Sure. And what that looked like was, um, I don't remember the first time I, I took a drink, I sniffed a line, I ate a pill. I remember the first bag of heroin I shot, but, but all the other stuff I don't remember because my story isn't the story of like, I took a shot and I had that aha moment. Yeah. Like, I've now found the reason for which I'm going to wake up and jump out of bed for excited. That's not my story. Right. I don't even remember it. But 
looking back, skateboarding did for me at a very young age what drugs and alcohol did for me at a later age. Meaning you give me a skateboard at the age of seven and you put me in a room with the world's prettiest models, I'll not only believe that they've been waiting for me, but that they're dying to marry me. Right, like drugs sure. and alcohol produced that same delusional narrative later on down the road that kind of made me feel sure of myself and confident in anything. Yes. I just exuded confidence. Um, so what I can recall is not the first drink or drug, but what I can recall is the first time that somebody attempted to stand between me and it. Got it. Right, and, and what that looked like is I was on a tour with a bunch of skaters from Powell, riding for Powell at the time. And uh, the team captain was Mike Vallali. And we're yeah. going from state to state, and we're doing demos in each city. And, and we're in Chicago, and we're doing a demo. And, and, and my behaviors were off, and they could clearly tell. I didn't know that they knew at the time. Sure. Looking back. And, and he caught me with drugs, and he said, Novak, get rid of the drugs or get off the tour. And, I, and, and as any good addict does, I take the drugs, I throw them down the sewer, I, I finish the demo, and we go back to the hotel, and I... I meet a young lady at the hotel, and she drives me back, and I, I fish the drugs out of the sewer. Short story long, I get caught with the drugs and kicked off the tour. Yeah. And, and now, the very next day, I'm back home, and what my mind tells me, this delusional alcoholic brain that I possess that lies to me in my own voice, which makes me believe the unbelievable, right? Like, it's not like sure. your voice appears in my head, and I'm like, ah, fuck you, stranger danger. Right. It's my voice yeah. that makes it even more complex, is, is that the skateboarding world needs me, it cannot go on without me, and I am an asset. So the ego started getting Absolutely. in Absolutely. Right, got it. And the reality is the skateboarding world does not need me. It goes on quite fine without me, and I'm a liability. Unfortunately, I'm the last person to understand that because I possess that job that consists of knowing everything. Correct. Right? Therefore, when you suggest maybe what I should do to better my life, I suggest why you should fuck off because I know. Correct. Ultimately, 13 treatment centers later, 38, you know, 22 years of active addiction, I come to the realization that what I do know is that I have no fucking idea. Yeah. Right? There you go. And, and my very best thinking places me here, time after time. Right? But, but at the time, so, so the, I get kicked off the tour in Chicago. I go back to my home here in Baltimore. The very next morning, I'm awoken by a phone call, and it's the team captain from Powell, Todd Hastings. And my mother telephone, throws the phone to me. And Todd says, we have one of two choices we could do with you. We could put you in the life. You, we could put you into treatment, save your life, and continue to skate for Powell, or you could quit the team. Now, from 7 to 15, I ate it. I breathed it. I slept it. I dreamt it. I became it. Right. If, if I were to have died at that young age, there would be nothing more that I ever wanted out of life. Sure. I got everything plus an abundance. And, uh, and I don't have a breath of fresh air in my lungs when I say I quit. And, and looking back to see the disconnection from reality that had already taken place where the abnormal had become the normal at such a young, such a young age, before I even entered into my first treatment center, the disease had its grips on me so deep and so fucking strong that I didn't even see it coming. And, and that, looking back, uh, everything, and looking back, it explains so much because I always underestimated the opponent I was up against. Sure. Yep. Every time I stuck in the ring, I, I knew. I knew. No wonder I got beat to fuck because mm -hmm. I knew, right? And I always underestimated the opponent I was up against, which was my addiction. And finally, when I was beaten into that state of reasonableness, right, and, 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 and kind of like had a moment of clarity to, to see what my life really looked like, I was no longer accepting of my position that yeah. I created for myself. So now I have to start looking at like the accountability. Who's to take it? I have to take it. Yep. It's no longer the, the second ex-fiance because they have a pattern of getting between me and it. Correct. Right? It's no longer the parole officer. It's no longer the faulty piss test that I fail. You know, yep. it's like, dude, I can no longer deny the severity of my disease and my handwriting was on the wall. And 
It was me. I think it's interesting that you come to the point and realization that it was more not a time or a moment. It was that it was something that was standing in between you yeah. and, and that. And you would do anything to get that. And, and, it, yeah. and it wasn't even personal. Yeah, right. It's just business. That's right. Because I love you and I don't want to hurt you. But the disease that I possess, when that thing says jump, I say yes, sir. It, it, it does not allow me to have the privilege to sit certain things out because they won't be safe for my You know? Yeah, I know. I do know. And that's what's a bitch. I... I I wasn't, I dealt with, or I, um, I haven't drank a drip of alcohol. I wasn't really, I, drugs were never a really thing for me. Obviously, I smoked, I smoked weed, tried weed. You know, sure. I was more natural. And I, anybody that has an Italian mother will know that they will, from a Catholicism standpoint, will scare the living shit out of you when it comes to drugs because they're, they're, they are a, you try it once, you're going to die. Yeah. And that is beat into your skull. Okay. But drinking was never a situation until. About five years ago, I was sitting in a uh, hospital room with my father, who my dad was got awards for community involvement. Is uh, seventy nine years old, still coaching sports to oh, this day. Rad, I mean, this guy is, is. I mean, we'll bend over backwards for you. He's, he's, he's. If I could, I can't even get to the level of person that he is. He's held on a, on a pedestal that I could never touch. However. Drinking was a big part of their family. They drank a lot. And I never realized it until much, much later on. I'm sitting in a hospital room with him. The doctor comes out. He's getting a um, uh, stint put in. And I said to the doctor, I said, could he have done anything different, you know, at 75 years old when this was occurring? Could he, be, could he have done anything different to not be in this place? Because this wasn't like a hereditary thing. This was something else. And he said, well, your dad drinks heavily. And I was like, okay. And he goes, that's what got him here. I was like, what, the last five years? And he goes, no, the 20 years before that. And I go, okay. Then I did the math. And then I realized, holy shit, I'm 228 pounds. Now, granted, I'm successful in business. 228 pounds, completely out of shape, not even close to what I was when I was 18, 19, riding down uh, on a snowboard, skating, surfing, all this other stuff, playing sports, whatever it was. And I was like, it was like an aha moment. Yeah. And I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm not drinking anymore. No more alcohol. And now, when I was building my businesses, I was going to 12-pack a night. I was in the basement, in front of the computer, building businesses, and the alcohol was driving me through the night. Yeah. And I was dependent upon it. Sure. And it goes back to the addiction side of things where you said, no one's standing in the way of me getting that. I would go out of my way. If I had to drive another 15, 20 miles, I was going to get this that. This is par for the course. That's it. Yeah. Not a drop in five years. Every single day at the gym. That's my addiction now. That's There's now, something to be said in that, though. There is, and that's what I was going to talk about, the addiction side. The addictive personality doesn't go away. The ADHD doesn't go away. <laughs> but if you can redirect yeah. the addiction and the ADHD to something that is bountiful, that you can, you can make other people's lives better, yeah. you automatically... Will rise to the occasion and be the number one person. No one can touch you. I've decided that. I've I've, I've figured that out. Right. That those things that we look at as these these terrible things that quote unquote God did to us. People always want to blame somebody else. Obviously, sure. it's never their own fault. Yeah. But they're gifts, and it's just about how you utilize that gift. Everything's centered in perception. Exactly. Everything. 
And I choose to see, uh, okay, let's take, for example, the coronavirus. Terrible mm -hmm. thing, wouldn't wish it upon anybody. Sure. I chose to see that as us simply being divinely inconvenienced. Yes. Right? And what will I do with this newfound time, these new guidelines? Sure. Right? Because in reality, it tells me everything that stands against what I did in order to not only get sober but stay sober yep. the opposite of addiction is connection right yep. and now the coronavirus comes along and they say hey social distance quarantine isolation and that's everything that my disease is like fuck yeah i know exactly let's of course. run this Absolutely. thing totally yeah. and i said you know what no we're gonna double down and i chose to use that time to, to open up my first men's recovery house. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I didn't even mean to jump there, but I just... No, I want to jump there because I want to talk, talk about that. But real quick, with, with the psychic change that you're talking yeah. about, right? The rewiring of oneself, which is not an easy thing to do. It's, it's not. But for me, I had that realization that I am the problem. The drink or the drug is the solution, right? Um, and if I just remove the drink or the drug... I'm even more worse off than I am when I'm drinking because now I'm left with the problem without the solution. What Correct. is my problem is the thinking, the attitude, and the behavior. So so I, I, I like to say that after 13 inpatient treatment centers, lost count of outpatient de outpatients and detoxes, my mother bought me a plot, people had taken life insurance policies, sure. life support, the whole deal with addiction, mm -hmm. um, is that after 24 years of active addiction, I, I rearranged the furniture on my Titanic so many times, but the ship sank without fail every time, yeah. that, that I could no longer deny my situation and who put me there, the accountability, me. And if I get out of my way and ask a suggestion from someone who seems to know what they're doing and be willing to follow their advice, I can get out of my way. And what that looks like is I, I had to dumb my way into it. Because when I walked into my 13th treatment center and, and the 12-step fellowship that I belong to, Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. I didn't want to be there. I just had nowhere else to go. And, and, and I wanted to kill myself on a daily basis. I just didn't want to hurt myself in the process. So I was stuck in this, like, purgatory state. It was terrible at suicide because I kept fucking waking up. And I said, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to give it a go. And I went in there and I so beaten, beaten into that state of reasonableness that I followed every suggestion that they gave me. And, and, and the main suggestion is, coming back to the, the, the rewiring, the psychic change, if you will, uh, they said, I'm going to sponsor. I said, I need a sponsor. I get a sponsor. He says, okay, we're going to experience the 12 steps together. And, and I experienced the 12 steps. And looking back, what I learned and what I know to be true from my experience, I'm married to my narrative because it worked for me, is that the God of my understanding brought me to AA, and AA via the 12 steps brought me back to the God of my understanding, which allowed me to have a spiritual experience. The definition of a spiritual experience is simply a psychic change. Sure. So I sit here today no longer thinking how I thought walking into that 13th facility. Right, so so now what do I do? I wake up every day. I I start with a prayer. I then go to the gym. I work out with my trainer yep. four days a week. Uh, I've cut out red meats. I've cut out any tobacco form. I only drink water and tea. Right, like completely different than who I was. I mean, you could see it physically, and that's yeah, that's the the, the beauty in it. Right, but all I did was. I just know that I don't know. And yeah. once I admitted defeat and became open-minded to follow your suggestions and get the fuck out of my way, my life got really good really It's amazing quick. how that works. I really didn't do much to get here, except no. get out of my way. No. Sadly, <laughs> so the nicotine still gets me. It's so However, simple, people no, miss it. They do. They do. And I did for many years. So I'm not like, oh, how dare you? No, like, I know. I get it. Yeah, and, and what's interesting about where you are is, so the... This has been going on for what? Four years now? I'm coming up on seven years in May. God when did, willing. Se yeah, I mean, 
congratulations, by the way. And and that's that, that's the other thing I was going to talk about. So when I go, so my significant other Nicole will go out. Actually, she's my fiance. We've been together cool. for ten years. So Congrats. She she beat me into submission. <laughs> it's the truth too. TJ knows that. TJ's behind the camera, guys. By the way. Um. So we're sitting there, and we'll go out, right? And she'll go, want to go to these, like, uh, you know, uh, adult get-togethers and you know, all these different things. And I'm always like, no, no I, I just kind of want to stay at home tonight. You know, we'll get into this, like, little argument, and she'll be like, you know, you never want to go out. And I'm like, it's not that. It's that if I go out and I'm around those people, the first hour to two hours is amazing conversation. Odds are I'm going to meet somebody that I hit it off with, we're talking, we're having a good time. But eventually, everybody's gonna get to the point where they're operating on another level mentally, and I'm not there anymore. Yeah. And then I wanna go. And you're not ready to go. Which then causes a, yeah. a, a you know, this. <laughs> it's this, a chain of events. It's a chain of events that, that I don't that end that well. That I know, it never ends well. <laughs> And it it's like going out New Year's Eve. You got it. No, no, I'm not going out. I don't. Dude, so the, the, <laughs> it's true. So like it, this has almost caused me, and I started realizing later on that I'm a very social person that deals with social anxiety. Yeah. And people don't realize that. So like. I agree. You I, know, I relate 1 million percent. I'm very socially anxious. I hate for social interaction. I, right. And so when you were like, hey, we'll do this in person, I'm like. Fuck, that means I gotta like find somewhere and like we gotta like go out. Like I actually gotta get dressed. It's a lot, it's, yeah. It's a lot, right? Yeah. And it's and it and it and it does cause this, and people don't realize that. And then when you're in a situation like you, like me, where we get paid to go on stage and speak and talk and things like that, it's exhausting. Yes. When you come off, because mm-hmm. then you're answering a bunch of questions, and then you just want to be alone. And I've found that in age, without substance I enjoy the presence of just myself yeah and I'm very happy there and I'm, my question to you is when people say oh you don't drink congratulations or good for you whatever right the Ravens are playing by the way so they must have scored <laughs> that I'd need like 10 Xanax to walk in there yeah no, I don't want to I'm not going in there You're, you must be crazy just that noise is like no way I literally waited over here. So, sorry guys. The, um, do you feel weird when people say that to you? Because it always makes me feel like I have to explain to them that it was a that it was a voluntary choice for me. Like I didn't go through a program. Like it was just like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. Do you feel weird like when people say that, or are you just like? It comes in ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. In the beginning, I wasn't really sure and. But the reality is my life was always kind of like a public spectacle. Correct. And it was read about, it was viewed in the books, the tabloids, the internet. Um, and my life got so bad that no one would ever be like, yo, you want a drink? They're like, thank God yeah, you're right. sober. Right. And, and then once I got sober, replacing right the vices, I bought into my sobriety like I bought into my addiction. Yeah. And I love both of them equally as much. So somehow, I know how, through a power greater than myself, what my life looked like prior to sobriety was 
was the getting and using and finding ways and means to get more drugs and alcohol 24-7. I'm awake. Uh, I'm surrounding myself with people that can help me get what I need and, and continue to justify and enable my behaviors. Sure. If I'm sleeping, I'm, I'm planning out the next day's events and or dreaming about them yep. um, of, to score more. And, and, and the funny thing is, is when I got sober, now my life is just as much just as much, if not more, consumed with drugs and alcohol. The only difference is I don't use them and I get paid very well from them. So it's insane, right? Yeah. Like, like I'm an interventionist. I'm a motivational speaker. I work in the drug and alcohol treatment field. I help people get into treatment. I own men's recovery homes. I'm a sober guy. I sponsor sober. You know, yeah. so I still get to do that. And I think for the most part, people... When I'm out and about in a social setting, it's only because it's kind of a required thing for sure. me. And, and the people usually know whatever it is. Yeah. Very rare or seldom will I just go out on my own and find myself in a room full of strangers where someone's going to say, hey, why don't you drink? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, right. If I'm not doing what I do for a living, then I'm home with my three cats or secluded in a, in a, a, a nice place by the beach or on a vacation right. of some sort. Yeah, right. You know, no, or and skating. I, and I like that. So it's... Yeah, it's, and I think that comes with age too. Is like, as you get older, you become this grumpy old man. <laughs> I've just noticed that. <laughs> and I'm dead serious. I know. <clears throat> no. I just went to Starbucks and not only did they not have anything that I asked for, literally, mm -hmm. then when I said, okay, can I get the receipt printed? They didn't even have paper to print their receipts. Yeah. And that was almost the straw that broke the camel's back. 100%. You walked outside, you're just like, I mean, anything else goes wrong today? That right there yeah. really just put me over the edge. I'm dead serious, man. Literally. And I have four kids, so you have to understand. And I, my youngest I'll is, never understand. Dude, it's craziness. That. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, it's crazy. My youngest, he's, he's eight. And this guy will push you to the edge. Greatest kid in the world. Sure. Best friend, best friend ever. But he'll push you to the edge. And I realize every night when I go to sleep, when I have to put him down, it's a five-step process. Okay? <laughs> scratch my back. Scratch my head. I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, I forgot to brush my teeth. Well, mom lay with me too. It's a production. Go get the dog. I don't want two pillows. I want one. Yeah, it's a production. Oh, wow. So you would think that that would have driven me nuts by the end of the night. But what I've realized is, for me, sleep, because I spend so much time by myself during the day, I'm, I have all this energy by the time they get home from school from 3 to 9 o'clock to give them all the energy in the world, which is what I love. So I've created this, this uh, space in my life where I feel comfortable. During the day, I get my alone time. From 3.30 on, it's all about them. Yeah. Right? So, same with you. Same situation with you. Was, do you think you would have started a family and, and had kids and done all these things? Not to say that this is already something that you're not going to – you could have later on in your life or now. But drugs obviously got in the way of that. Sure. Right? Absolutely. Is that one of your biggest regrets? No. Yeah, I, there's good. only one thing I regret in my life. I would not turn back the hands of time on anything that 
the homelessness, the, the heroin addiction, the eating out of trash cans, the prostituting of my body, the, the, the catching of hepatitis C at the time sure. before it was removed. Like nothing. That, because those defects have become my assets, yep. right? Which give me a story that carries depth and weight mm -hmm. that allows me to prevail in a lot of different areas in my life yep. and most importantly, strengthens my connection with my higher power, Yes, right? Um, it's given me this level of self-awareness that like ignorance is no longer bliss when you know you're to be held accountable. So yep. when I'm at Starbucks and they say, we don't have paper printer receipts, I'm like, Fuck me. Like, I, this is a privileged problem, and, and, and I used to pray for situations like this. Yeah, right? I got it. Like, I, I don't have to, to walk out with no receipt. I get to walk out with no receipt. Change in perception. And they taught me in treatment, if I change my perception, I could change my world. And it rings true for me. Um, so the only thing I regret is the, the pain and the sleepless nights that I caused my mother, who's like your father. Got it. Uh, that is it. Yeah. That, but I wouldn't take anything back. Yeah. And I, I, the kids thing, the, the the relationship, the family thing, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, it just hasn't presented itself yet. And but it, what's what's even crazier is now at 42, being blessed with the opportunity to kind of um, create my schedule, run yeah. my life as I see fit. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I've, Self-diagnosed, become OCD. I, I wasn't like I used to be. When I, I was when I was loaded and drinking and drugging, anything went. We flip the right. table. We catch a cab. We and if we end up in Mexico, let's do it. Now it's like the tea should be here. This here, the exact same that, way. And, uh, and and I'm a completely different person. And 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 um, now it's just like as soon as I let somebody come into my space, they're disrupting my behaviors and patterns and that's a problem yeah. because I'm also the guy that if it doesn't make sense to me, it's wrong. Yeah. You know? And at 42, that, pat, that, that psychological fucking perspective is not breaking. No. It's only getting stronger. No. But I have the heightened sense of awareness, which is like the beginning of any form of change. Ignorance is no longer bliss. I know I'm to be held accountable. You're, you're right. And, and I believe at this age too, one, and, and I think this is one of the Or that could all be a justification just to rationalize my bullshit-ass behavior. No. That I don't no. want to settle down and I enjoy doing what I do. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think your I think your 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 deserved selfishness is good. A lot of people talk about selfishness as a bad thing. It's not. If it's important to take care of yourself first. It always is. I don't care what anybody says. You've got to put yourself first. You have to. You can use other people as motivation for discipline but you have to put yourself first the funny thing about our age now i'm in better shape now yeah physically than i've ever been in you feel that same way 100 physically I mean, mentally spiritually look wise you i mean it is 180 degrees dude yeah and you look really good thank you man i mean and I, so that makes you feel good yeah exactly right? i always say people are like how do i how do I change? How do I do things different? How do I find the motivation? I'm really big right now with fuck motivation, find discipline, and you don't even need motivation. Exactly. Fuck, I, fuck motivation. I, I got to pause that because TJ, I put out a quote probably, I don't know, maybe a month ago, and somebody was talking about that, and they messaged me, and they said, how do you stay so motivated? And I used to get that question all the time, and I was like, it's not motivation, it is discipline. Yeah. Every day, I get up, I go to the gym. It's not a nothing, question of will I or nope, will I not. No, and nothing stands in the way of me no. getting there. If a client calls me on the phone, I'm like, I'm at the gym, I'll call yeah. you back when I'm done. No one gets in the way yeah. of the discipline. So please take that right now and understand that it is not motivation that you should strive for, it is 
discipline. Absolutely. That, that automatically keeps you motivated. And the motivation isn't even something that you're thinking about anymore. It's all about no. discipline. So, you know, people don't talk about that as much as they should, but they really should. Let's talk about no, uh, the um, Novak's house. Yeah. Because you, I've lost people to addiction that I've tried to save. <clears throat> and one was my, my ex-wife's brother who was in a car accident when he was younger, got addicted to painkillers. It created him into someone mm -hmm. who no one recognized. He moved to China to teach uh, young Chinese children English. And one day, they, of course, they got the phone call, and they knew they were going to get this phone call, that he had passed away. There was another young man who I grew up with, his older brother, took the kid under my wing, gave him a job, bought him a car, paid for his car insurance, gave him a phone, did everything I could for him, took him snowboarding, would take him to hotels and have him stay in these lavish hotels with me and all these other things. I was trying to take care of him like a son. And I remember one day I got a call and he was gone. And that was the first time, I'm not a crier, but that was the first time I had cried in probably 15 years. I'm gonna tattoo for him right here. His name was Joey um, Sanfilippo. And um, not a day goes by that I wish I, I couldn't have saved both of those kids. And I did everything that I possibly could. Do you, do you feel that same way when they take a little bit of they take a little piece of you when you can't save them when you feel like you've done it all and you've done everything for them and they still go in the very beginning I felt that way and what that looks like is this I in the 12 step fellowship I belong to it suggested that you you get a sponsor, you experience the steps, then you become a sponsor and take someone else through the steps. And, and the very first kid that asked me to sponsor him, I then went to my sponsor, Lex. And I, I was like six months sober. And I said, Lex, I don't want to say the wrong thing that could ultimately kill him. Yeah. Right? And, and Lex looked at me. And Lex now has 23 years sober. He's a, a therapist. Uh, he's one of my biggest mentors. And, uh, and he laughed at me. He said... He said, don't flatter yourself, sweetheart. He said, you're not powerful enough to save anybody or kill anybody. That's God's job. Leaves God's job to God. Wow. And that made a lot of sense to me. And, uh, and I, I kind of ran with that. But it doesn't negate the fact that we're human and we have feelings. Yeah. I had an 18-year-old kid at my house recently, God rest his soul. And, uh, and he was recommended to me by my sponsor, Lex. And Lex said, I got this kid who, who I, I, I can't get to accept treatment I'm willing to go completely unruly but he's a big fan of yours you mind talking to him maybe you can get him to go I talk to him I get him to go he goes to treatment successfully completes all levels of care and from there he then steps down to my house Novak's house and he's there for about a week and his behaviors are off and and, and again the drink and the drug nothing to do with his behaviors so we yeah. recognize that I could tell a mile away always exactly you yeah. can recognize the, the, the change of behaviors and the patterns and, and, and there's a problem so yep. we, we, we were on him and we kept pissing him and he kept passing we couldn't understand how and finally we found a bottle of vodka so that's why he was passing the, the piss test we give him the ultimatum you go back to treatment or, or you, you leave the house and, and mom and dad were always the biggest enablers they'd show up and, and make sure he was safe no real repercussions yeah, yeah. from yeah. the actions yeah. and I get mom and dad on the same page they're going to create these boundaries. Uh, we're all going to hold firm. And we do that. He agrees to go to treatment. He goes to treatment. Now, I kind of just quarterback this whole play yeah. of what you would think would make the most sense to get him to the safest place he could be at in his life. Four days into treatment, 
Sean takes it upon himself to tie his belt around his neck and hangs himself. Jesus. Now, my first thought was, not only am I responsible, I told the family to, you know, yeah. woulda, coulda, shoulda, and, and it weighed on me heavy. But the fact is, that was not my responsibility, what he did or chose to do with his journey. Yeah. And, and it weighed on me. But again, I kind of come back to my, my teachings. And what my teachings tell me is that feelings aren't facts. Feelings pass. Right? And that, that, that was between him and his higher power. Sure. And I don't want to sit here and say God because I know. And, and maybe you agree that, that God can be a very discouraging word to a lot of people. So what I know is it's a higher power that's not me. Uh, and, and it could be the fucking sky, the universe, but whatever it may be. But that's between them. Yeah, I, I you know, I, without you know, avoid, annoying people with their their opinions of religion or anything else like that. I mean, you, you can look at higher power, whatever whatever works for you is, yeah. is what I think is okay. Totally. I, you know, one of the one of the amazing things about. Uh, whole religion thing is that people become very judgmental when yeah. it comes to religion and, and that's insane. the opposite it's insane and yeah. I say that I'm not a fan of religion especially yeah. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not religious at all I'm as spiritual as one Me can too. get yeah. and at the end of the day it comes down to where is my spirituality from judging your spirituality right right Right. so I accept it all yeah yeah, me too. You have it, you do it, you love it, I back it. I, Fuck I, it. I think, I think that at the end of the day it comes down to this. It comes down to uh, if, there is, if there is a God, which I believe there is, he's probably very lonely. <laughs> and he likes, and he created us because he was lonely. <laughs> and he wants us to talk to him. And well, that's, that's really a great perspective, though. And that's, I've always said that. And, you know, I was like, if... if, if on Sunday, the beginning I was confused, but the ending made that make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, he just wants, like, he just like wants to communicate and talk to you. So, you know, my church is in the shower every day, you know, is when I start having these conversations with him and, or, or her or yeah. it. And uh, the answers don't always come when you when you want them to. No. They come when you need them to. Yeah. I, I believe the, the time that I sought out my God was when I found myself in the most painfulest positions yeah. of my life. It was never when I just came up 20 grand yeah. or, or I'm staying well, in we the penthouse of Ritz. Why right? would I? We don't say thank you. Let me be on the corner prostituting my body sure. letting men blow me for heroin yeah. and, and sick and this guy's not showing up late. Please, God. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. I, That's when I find him, yeah. and I believe that I can find my higher power anywhere. I don't think he's never not with me. Yeah, me or too. Or she, or whatever. I think the exact same way. So Novak's house is, yeah. a, is, a, is a spot where these, I mean, is, is there an age limit? Or are these, no. these people just He had to there? be from 18, 18 or older. We don't take adolescents. But my journey looks like this. I went to treatment for 90 days. From 90 days, I went to a sober living house where I lived for one year. And I did that because my sponsor... Was that... Who, uh, that's not Banyan, right? That's... The, no, no, no. Yeah. It's just uh, in Pennsylvania. Okay, got it, got it. I work for Banyan now. Right, correct. But, so I went to treatment for 90 days and I went to a sober living house. And I did that because my sponsor, who had 12 years at the time, told me that's what he did. Okay. So there was no need for me to reinvent the wheel. Sure. Right? I, I know that I don't know and I'm willing to follow suggestions. And I, and I did what he did. And, and now I have what he has, which is long-term sobriety. Uh, a peace of mind, ease and comfort, and I can talk to you with conviction and and and, and no longer fear the judgment or right. so 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 when I got sober and really had a, a firm foundation in my life and my finances and in the direction I was headed in, I, I 
me and my great friend Greek, who I met in treatment, we decided we were going to recreate what works for us. And one one year ago and two days, a year and two days ago, we created Novak's house. Yesterday, we celebrated the one year anniversary of Novak's house. And Novak's house is a sober living house in Wilmington, Delaware, that houses 12 men. Um, that have to come directly from some form of treatment, whether it's a detox right. or a full level of care. Um, cash pay deal, $180 a week. And by the grace of God, it's, it's full today with a waiting list, unfortunately. Yeah. But yesterday, we closed on a second house directly across the street Monday. And yesterday, on the way to that one-year anniversary, I got a call from my realtor that said, hey, there's this house that would be perfect for you. I, I own 1211 and 1212 West 8th Street. And right at the top of that street, I put a bid in yesterday at 3 p.m. on an eight-bedroom, three-bathroom house. And this morning at 9 a.m., they accepted our offer. And that will allow us to put 16 more beds in. That's awesome. So 40 beds is what I'll be able to provide to anybody who wants to better their lives. Yeah. And if you don't have the finances, that's not a problem. Yeah. I have scholarships available. And this I, is your I couldn't legacy. be happier. Yeah, this and is I your didn't, legacy. I didn't want this. I didn't plan for this. I didn't even know this shit existed. Yeah. I got sober. My get well job was washing dishes for $6 an hour under the table next to a 15-year-old kid named Brian. <laughs> like, what <laughs> the... F at 38, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. But I took pride in what I was doing. I yeah. showed up 15 minutes early. I stayed 15 minutes late. I took pride in washing those dishes. I never missed a day of work. Yeah. I got a promotion from there to them waiting tables. Um, and then the career that I'm in now, which the main career, which is helping people get into treatment through Banyan Treatment Center, they yep. sought me out. Yeah. I tripped and fell into this. I didn't know any. You know, I was still living in a sober living house paying $165 a week rent Yeah. with like catching the bus and smoking cigarettes and buying my own groceries. It's funny how you say you fell and trip, tripped into it, but in the reality of things, it was, it was, in my, I've always looked at those types of things, like, if you look back and you realize, yeah. all, all, every single decision in the fork of the road totally. led to that. I, I say it's that. It's the craziest thing. But it isn't, if you're on this page. I know, page. but you believe so, it. So I say to myself, now after having find the internal work that was required, in order to get the external results that I've always desired. Yep. Having had that spiritual experience, knowing that my life is all in retrospect, live forward and learn backwards, the heightened sense of awareness, it's so easy for me to look back and recognize the synchronicity in life's events yep. that have led me right here to this table right now, prove to me that the God of my understanding has been doing so much more for me so much better for me yep. than I could ever conceive. Isn't that weird? It's it's weird, it all makes awesome, <laughs> cool. It's so interesting. But you'll never know until you know. No, you, it's just you're you're absolutely right, and and that's where you know you people always talk about turning the negative into a positive. A lot of times you don't you don't even have to do that. You don't. The positive may not come for ten years. Yeah, but it'll come. It will. You and you might not to, even see it when it comes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I don't ask you about the. The, the YouTube channel that you got going, and obviously the, the same style and shoots shoot offs of Jackass and the and the, and the higher celebrity group from there. And I know that that was a that was a rough time for you when you were on that show. Yeah, because you you were you were still in oh the the, the bottom bottom rung of where you were. You didn't. I mean, Bam major. obviously came good friend came to your uh, uh, 
to, to help you and you know I'm, you know of course still follow along with him and I know he's on his same path yeah he's trying to, to, he's, to find uh, those ways. he's in a facility as we speak yeah. man so God willing mm-hmm. I continue to to show up for him yep. um, in spite of whether he wants to show up for himself <clears throat> yeah you know I come from a position of a uh, position of understanding as opposed to being understood yep you know and, and I accept him for exactly where he's at and I believe that that largely the reason why I was taken down the path I was taken down was to be there for my best friend who I accredit yeah. for getting me out of Baltimore which if didn't happen I'd be buried in them, uh, that plot that my mother yeah. bought me in Dundalk <laughs> which yeah, is not yeah. a desired destination for me to want to be buried oh, it's a and I have no problem anyone. with Dundalk yeah. I love Dundalk but <laughs> side note they moved the plot yeah. uh, I, have, I have two for sale now since, yeah, so right. like, dude. I'm going to buy that one in South Beach yeah. anyway the uh yeah, a lot of people don't realize how much he actually has done for so many other people. Yeah. I mean, that guy's given and given and given and given and given for so many others. And you can see it. You can see it in the kind of person he is. But um, the YouTube videos, I watched a lot of them over the last week. Oh, wow. They're really, really good. They're so the funny styles. thing about that yeah. is that when I, I ended up with Banyan and Banyan kind of saw a lot in me what I yeah. didn't know I possessed yeah. and obviously was the following that I created yeah. and I had a YouTube channel when I went in with Banyan but I hadn't touched it forever yeah, right. and it was before kind of YouTube made this comeback sensation or if it ever was whatever but I, they said you have a YouTube channel I'm like yeah but I don't do anything with it yeah. and, and when we talk about do something with it in the world of treatment like if we can put out a content piece what kind of revenue will it generate like will we get calls from people that are looking for help yeah right what's um, the return on investment exactly right sure so and at the time i paid no mind to youtube i'm still an instagram guy that's my deal i i do that i have a public figure facebook a twitter and then a private facebook and i have the youtube but the, we're gonna get him on tiktok by the way i have a tiktok i just don't use it you know <laughs> and, he doesn't realize i i don't and i i'm, I'm the most computer literate person in the world that's too okay. i just received my first laptop during COVID, and it wasn't by choice my team said you're gonna need this yeah absolutely uh for zoom and shit sure i wrote my first book in pen and paper yeah i i pawn laptops i don't use them right i don't email i have an assistant kind of helps me with that whatever but um so so all of a sudden we started seeing that like this YouTube page one because I have a social media team that kind of helps me edit and put my content together. Correct. I kind of direct it. Yeah. And and we started putting stuff out and then they're like, okay, there has to be some consistency. There has to be the cover, all this stuff that I wasn't aware of. And it seems to be growing and turning into something pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you've got somebody who has got... 47,000 subscribers. I didn't YouTube. even know that. Yeah. I don't even know how to get into YouTube if I wanted to right now. It's no bullshit. Yeah. Swear to God. There has to be a conversation. Here's my thing. <laughs> You've got the, the talent, the look, the experience, the drive. You've got all those things. And for me, I've looked at all these people that have been able to. And the, the reason I bring this up is this. You, Dan... Brian, God bless his soul. You know, which I'm sitting guys. here, and I've looked at you multiple times, and even when you lifted your shirt up and I saw the star tattoo, even down to your watch, your shirt, your dress, your mannerism, you remind me a lot of Ryan. Yeah, a lot. Funny. Have you ever heard that? No, I've never heard I mean, about Ryan at the all. star tattoo, he'd, he was big into watches and those kind of watches. I mean, Rightly. To, to a fucking T, I've, I've sat here and to myself said, God damn it. 
he really is a lot like Ryan. God works Even in funny to the ways, shirt, man. Your shirt, he, this is Ryan's kind of style. Yeah. His hair, just yeah. like yours. So God works see, in I'm funny ways, you, man. man. You never know. And, uh, and you have the same charisma, the same personality. It's 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 fucking refreshing sitting here talking to To myself, I thought I'm like I feel like I'm here with Ryan. It's, it's really cool. That I, I like that feeling. That that makes me feel really good. I I feel like what you guys have all done is what a lot of these kids now are trying to do or are doing online right now with their social media. You guys were so far ahead in creating content that you knew people wanted to watch and consume, and then you guys figured out a way to monetize it. People are doing that now on a daily basis. That has become what you did, which was considered, I don't know, against the grain of popular society. Oh, absolutely. Which is now completely accepted. (laughs) And is the way that the world is now. Skateboarding's in the Olympics. Skateboarding's in the Olympics. Most skateboarders now, you know, walking around with friggin' eight packs and sponsored by, you know... I was uh, literally just... Vitamin shop and all this other shit. I was filming this other piece, which is why I'm here in Baltimore, right here, before here at Rash Field, mm-hmm. which is the new skate park they've just opened oh, directly beautiful. next to the IMAX yes. in downtown Baltimore. Yeah. That's a long way away from when we were growing up skating and just getting either kicked out by the cops, manhandled by them, Skateboard or taken. beat up by the hood thugs, yep. and, and taking our hats and throwing our boards in the river. Good chase down the railroad tracks down in, uh, I'll never forget it. We were, on a, we were skating at a warehouse, and the car pulled up, and something in me just was like, that fucking car doesn't look right. Tinted windows, dark windows, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, we got a fucking bolt. We start running, and that car starts taking off behind us, and we're running down the railroad tracks, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I got my skateboard in my hand. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm going to fucking die on the railroad tracks in Baltimore City. <laughs> fucking skateboard from skateboarding. And I'll never forget, we made it back. Then you could be buried in Dundalk in my plot. I wouldn't even have been buried. They wouldn't have found my body, man. Some kid from Carroll County skateboarding in the city. But I remember all those places, like my, uh, the, the Monument. And, yeah. Um, and we used to go to Spunk. Yeah. Remember Spunk? Yeah. You'd walk out of there and you would cough up black shit. Yeah. Right on the street. It was so bad. These kids don't realize it now. They've got this beautiful skate park in the Inner Harbor now. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's The it's evolution. It, it is the evolution of, of, of the sport. But I, it talks about the same evolution of content and entertainment. And that's where I, you know... What attracted me to you about the content that you put out is it's very wholesome and it's natural and the experience between you and your mother. I mean, <laughs> how that's not a fucking television show. Yeah. I don't know. And if it's not picked up, like, by somebody, it, there's there's just... It's going to blow my mind because it should, it should be on a much, much bigger scale, in my opinion. Something's got to knock Kardashians out of here because I can't watch this shit anymore. <laughs> I won't watch it. I, will not, I, refuse, I refuse to watch that shit. I leave the room. And I don't know information about what they're doing. I have a friend, and she always likes to tell me, and I'm like, fuck yeah, off. Yeah. I don't want that to consume my no. brain, even if it's as much as like looking at this mic on the table. Yeah. Now I know there's a mic on the table. Yeah, so all of a you know? sudden now... <laughs> Being a greasy tattooed guy, uh, she just said that to super me. Super hot chick. She I didn't just know said that. that. She just said that. She's like, watch, and she's all about it. She's like, you're never gonna believe it. In, in, in you're now gonna see skinny tattooed guys are the thing to be because right. every chick's gonna want it. Yeah. And I thought about it. I'm like, 
Good. It's, it's about time. Yeah. But it's also sad that they can make that change. I don't like that. I don't like that they have that. They have that, <laughs> that type power. of impression. These women. Because if you look at Nicole and me, we're 180 degrees the opposite. And it usually works out that way anyway. Opposites distract. They yes. always do. They always do. But um, I want to talk about your social media for a little bit. You're very you're, – you're, you're on there quite a bit. Yeah. Do you ever get that itch to if, – if they came back to you and they were like, hey, we want to do a TV show with you. You know, do you have an idea of where you would, what you would want to do? Would you want to split off to more of the side of this is me helping people and doing these things? Or would it be more entertainment where if you go to the YouTube channel and watch videos with him and his mom, it is, it's every son in his 40s with his mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Great point. I never thought about flips. that. It yeah, flips. totally. Right? And they're like dealing with a six year old child. 100%. My mom calls me at least six times a day, right? And she'll leave me a voicemail. And even if I don't pick the phone up, she'll, God, I need to let you know that your father just got home and it's just insane. Uh, he's talking about Fox News all over the place. Anyway, give me a call. And I'm like, you had to call me. And then wait for the voicemail to kick on yeah. to then leave a message and hit a send. Yeah. I just sign this infection. I have a sinus infection. I have sinus infections all the time. And... My dad showed up to my son's, my youngest son's soccer game today. She calls my dad. <clears throat> my dad says, your mom's on the phone. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. Yeah. yeah. No, mom, he hasn't given me the neti pot yet. <laughs> okay, I'll give it back to dad. They're in an argument on the phone about why she, he hasn't given the neti pot to me. He's like, it's the first half of the soccer game, Angel. That's why. <laughs> it's just this crazy argument. But it's just, it's funny how we become, we were these like misbehaving yeah. kids. And now our parents are these misbehaving kids. Totally. And we have to take care of them. I and that, but now I see myself falling right into the role of my mother. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on her heels. Yeah. Yeah. So. Evolution. <laughs> the evolution of, of, of growing up. Do you see, do you think that's going to happen again? Do you have an inkling or a feeling that that's going to happen I mean, again? I'm not opposed to it. There's been some uh, ideas that have been pitched. And, yeah. And for whatever the reason, it just didn't play out. Sure. Um, and, but I would totally do it. Yeah. And, and exactly what you said is kind of what we looked at and explored before, which was something with me and my mother, also with me in recovery, yeah. traveling, the motivational speaking. And there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of content that I think would create interest that you could mold something good. Yeah. But it's just, a, it's A, I used to have nothing but time on my hands. Now there's literally not enough time in the day. I know. So I don't have time to kind of shape create or mold this concept but if someone did and 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 then the network was willing to pick it up or back it i'd be down but if not i'm cool because like i still have what i have going on i love it yeah and and i've never been happier in my life yeah and i think a lot of the things that that your team probably realizes that you don't realize is that the success of the content that you're distributing currently right now it can be monetized yeah right and then you can get paid people don't realize that like i never thought that I was going to get paid for the things that I do on social media. I never thought that. I'm the worst businessman in the world, though. It's crazy. I'll undersell myself all day long. Yeah. You want to give me 50 grand, I'll just settle for five right now. Yeah. Just why not? Because you have it. Yeah. You know, I I used to really be bad. I'm getting better now because I'm not in a position of need. Yeah. So, and I have people that kind of do the negotiating for me. Yeah. But, but like the YouTube stuff, I get paid, uh, but not nearly probably what I could. Yeah. And it's... 
so I just picked up my the other day and I'm like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go ahead and try this cryptocurrency thing. Yeah. So I, I distributed it in three different places and I just threw it there and we'll see what happens. And it happens, cool. If not, cool. I can tell you, it's, it's an amazing world that we live in where not getting... I, I, I tweeted this the other day and I said, it's funny how a guy in a suit looks really, really successful until you realize that that person works for the person in the pajamas. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Because to be quite honest with you, this is me dressed up. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm in a sweatshirt and sweatpants and a pair of beautiful cozy slippers. I think you look goddamn good. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. So, um, now that we've talked about Novak's house, because I thought it was really important. That yeah, we do and that. That, that's like two things I love, uh, three things I love most, top three things in my life right now are my sobriety, uh, public speaking, Novak's house, and skateboarding. Where are you forward. skateboarding right now? What, what are, what are the, like the top three spots that you're going to? I know you don't want to give that away. But it's not really spots. It's, it, 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 the spots aren't the thing. It's the crew that I go with to the spots. I got you. As long as the vibe's right and I have a good crew of people that make it fun, skating this curb could be a blast. Yeah. It's really the I company that, that I keep. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm, a not a, I'm not a rail or a steps guy. 42, so I like transition we, and not we, vert. We, we, we shouldn't be doing something like no, that. No, no. There's no question. Um, so, mellow, transition, not high. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. Do you find that going to the park is satisfying because you get to go and see some of these younger guys do things that, like, we could, we, we look at now and we just are like, there's no fucking way. Yeah. Like, we got am torn like a shove it. And like actually staying on the board, not like zipping out and fucking slamming our elbow. The craziest thing happened the other day. I was filming this trick for the part that I'm about to drop, and uh, and I wasn't making it. I sprained my ankle, and it's in Baltimore. I live in yeah. Philly. I had to come back three different times to this, and I was losing it. But in the midst of losing it, it dawned on me: this is exactly why skateboarding is so special to me, and why I love it so much. When ultimately I should have been breaking my board breaking the windows out, yeah. losing my three trips, sprained ankle, you know, don't get paid to skateboard anymore, but it's just my life. But what I realized in that moment of failure was that when I was failing, it was the only thing that I was thinking of. Yep. I was not thinking of deals pending, yesterday's experiences, tomorrow's results. I was in it. And that's exactly why I love skateboarding. It shuts this off. Yep. And I spent a lot of money trying to shut this off. And, and nothing suffices except to give me that skateboard. So I'm just happy when I have my board in my hand and I'm going skating. I'm not, I have two phones and they ring nonstop. I didn't even yeah. bring the other one in. Uh, I have all, I'm not thinking about any of that. Yeah. I'm just in it, laughing, joking, filming content, you know partially just to let people know that I still skate <laughs> and hopefully to remain relevant in I, some kind of world of somewhere. <laughs> you got you to you gotta merge it with the kids. Yes. Got to be hip with the kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, Snowboarding's like that for me now um, just because skating is, is has gotten me to a point where I can still go out and, and ride, but it's like I can't do the same things that I used to be able to do. Obviously, I don't know if it's like just a knee thing or ankle. I fuck my ankles up so many times that it's gotten me to a point where it's like almost like a there's a little bit of holdback on stuff. It's, it's funny you say that because I'm starting to notice that in my mind. And yeah. I don't want to think that that's happening. I don't, but... I don't want to accept it either. Yeah. But I notice it when I'm snowboarding, not as much. But um, it does. It clears my head. Running does that for me too now. Yeah. When I get on the treadmill, I'll run probably two, three miles a day. Um, it goes away. You get this runner's high. And it and like... Skateboarding is the only thing that I've found. 
and that's a good thing. Yeah. But I remember there was a two two great comedians, Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock. They were sitting at a table, and they were talking about that. And Jerry Seinfeld always said this, and he said this to Chris Rock. He said, "You know those skateboard kids? He's like those kids you never have to worry about." He was like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "They just go over and over and over and over and over, banging themselves up until they finally get it." Mm-hmm. Those skateboard kids are going to be all right. Yeah, and that's what he said, and I was like, "Wow, that that just saying right there really like said to me like, wow, he's right." Yeah, he's like, "How many times do you dedicate to a trick and landing that trick, driving all the way to Philly, mm-hmm. all the way to Baltimore, gonna land this trick?" I I never even heard that. Couldn't agree with it more. I'll send the video too. It's amazing. And uh, what I realized, and I attribute it to to who I am today, where I'm at, and my sobriety largely at whole, is that skateboarding weeds out the quitters. Yep. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Because it's so it's so easy. You know, people always talk about kickflips, and I'm like, it's so easy. You can still, if you if you've ever been successful at kickflipping, you can usually pick it back up within four or five tries. The first two are your self doubt that you can't do it again. By the fourth or fifth one, you finally land it. All of a sudden, it's one of those things where you you remember why. Yeah. You love skateboarding. Yeah. And it really gets you back into it. My, and my youngest son, Renner, got super, got into skateboarding again. And it got me into skateboarding again. I called Gary at you and I, yeah. I said, I said, hey. He's like, yeah. I was like, I'm coming in. He's like, great. Be ready for it. Went in there. I think I spent like 300 bucks. Kid behind the counter. He's like, you know, just loving life. Having, having a good time. Yeah. I was like, put them all together, man. Put skateboards together. Renner and I went out and we skated for probably two hours straight. Just in our neighborhood. Totally. Alley over like you know like sewer uh, the sewer things the and manholes, kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah manholes and he's just like he's watching me like ollie over shit and then like kick flips and like I don't know it was like fakie heel flip or some bullshit like that it was like my go to was like fakie heel flip was my go to and I was like can't believe you can do that <laughs> and I was like yeah I can teach you how to do it and just watching him like learn to ollie and stuff like that yeah. it's just amazing like you're right the quit yeah. Just just doesn't go away from the skaters, man. It never has it weeded out the quitters. Absolutely. Always. Um, where can people follow you? Instagram? Yeah, they go to my Instagram, which is Brandon double underscore Novak. Or to just go down all my rabbit holes at once, you can just go to my website, which yeah. is www.brandonnovak, all one word, dot com. Okay. And there's a Linktree link in his Instagram. If you click the Linktree link, you can buy uh, Brandon's merch. He's got some really good, good-looking shirts. Um, skull with the skateboard and the, and the needle. Yeah. Through it, I'm gonna have to pick up a couple of those for myself. Um, information on Novak's house. Um, information about Banyan, right? Yeah. Obviously. Um, and just a, a, a plethora of the content that's out there. I do want to stress: go to his YouTube, subscribe to it, watch those videos. I'm telling you right now, you're gonna enjoy those videos. You guys are really gonna like them, and uh, hopefully, we can get Brandon or his team to get on TikTok. Because I got a feeling, I got a feeling, <laughs> and when I get that feeling, I can't let it go. And uh, I, I think you're going to do really well in that, there as well. And I, I, the future, I think, is going to be so fucking bright for you, man. I'm grateful, man. Excellent. People always ask how I'm doing, and I'm like, ah, to be quite honest, way better than I deserve. Right? Because if justice was due, I'd be dead years ago. Absolutely. So I'm just here on borrowed time, man, just kind of like so cliche but enjoying the ride yeah I love it that's a great way to end it too thank you so much love you man thanks for having me this is great thank you for listening to the Bad Reputation Podcast be sure to leave us a review and share what you may have learned with someone else today remember your reputation is everything